2: Hello and welcome to the Missed Home Museum of Mystery, Morbidity and Mortality. This audio tour guide will be your constant companion in your journey through the unknown and surreal. As you approach our exhibits, the audio tour guide will provide you with information and insights into their nature and history. Do not attempt to interact or communicate with the exhibits. Do not feel pressured to interact or communicate with the audio tour guide. If you believe that the audio tour guide may be deviating from the intended tour program, please consider adjusting your preconceived notions of what the intended tour program may be. While the staff here at the Mistone Museum of Mystery, Morbidity and Mortality do their absolute best to ensure the safety of all visitors, accidents can happen. The museum is not liable for any injury death, or bizarrely paced sentences with odd emphasis that may occur during your visit. Enjoy your tour, and good luck. The human memory is such a fragile thing. Compared to the certainty and precision of files saved to a computer hard drive, not to brag or anything, the thing you call memory is very wobbly. Details glimpsed only for a moment will fade almost instantly, if they were captured at all, and the memories your mind does manage to hold onto can be corrupted so easily by suggestion or bias. One need only look at the tendency for witness statements to generate confused half-truths that tell more about the witness than they do the suspect, to see that the human memory is more than incapable of grasping at the intricacy of the world it attempts to catalogue. In front of you, behind a pane of protective glass, is a pencil, or rather what remains of one. What was once a standard sort of red pencil, of the kind an editor might make notes or a teacher might inscribe, See me after class, with an angry little face next to it on a struggling child's homework, has been reduced by extensive use to a mere nub, barely even long enough to hold in one's hand, the red wax at its core almost entirely spent. The glass that stands between you and it serves a dual purpose. It protects the pencil from being tampered with, and protects you from tampering with it. And not just from the museum's rule against the written word. Writing with this pencil has a side effect. One you might not notice immediately, or at all. Because depending on what you wrote, you might not remember that you'd written it. The previous user of this pencil was Yi-Ding Lu, a name that might sound familiar to those who pay attention to the world of big business. Until his death just a few years ago, he was one of the most powerful media moguls in the world, wielding considerable power and capital with the stroke of a pen. His influence went back decades from a long life dedicated to building his media empire, Through business savvy and remarkable insight into market trends, he had the ear of world leaders with a reputation as a kingmaker whose word could bring down his opponents without needing to lift a finger. He was, truly, a titan of industry, the sort of powerful business magnate whose name will go down in history as having shaped the world of tomorrow. Except... As compelling a story as that makes, it turns out there are some holes in it. Holes which started to come out almost immediately after Lou's death. It is not unusual for a person's life and legacy to be re-evaluated after their death, of course. But this was a different matter. As the biographers and eulogizers looked back over the life of this person, a life which had been extensively documented, as are all those whose lives impact others to the degree Luz had, they discovered irregularities. He was a businessman, so of course there was extensive documentation of the deals he brokered and the savvy plays he made in the press. But as far as formal legal documents goes, it was oddly hard to find evidence of his career highlights. Everyone who worked with him knew of his achievements, Even his greatest rivals would attest to his incredible acumen, to their defeats at his hand. But it seemed that many of these achievements existed only in hindsight. It was easy enough to find examples of his deals being closed or celebrated. But it was bizarrely difficult to find contemporary sources discussing the plans and dealings that led to those victories. It was as though his career simply leapt from one triumph to another, with odd little gaps in between, skipping to the end results and reaping the benefits of work never done. Investigators were baffled. Indeed, Lou's own friends and colleagues were stumped. They had lived with this man, remembered him as a remarkable figure, remembered being there for his successes. But now that they really focused on the memories... Some things just didn't add up. In the end, the truth came out. It was inevitable that it would. After all, Ding Lu wrote down every part of the story himself, in red. It is not believed that Lu ever intended for his writing to be a confession, nor even a memoir. The existence of a record of the true version of events was merely an unavoidable side effect, Although surely he knew that the record would be uncovered. Through Yi Ding's own writing, a portrait of a man very different from the one known to the world emerges. The real Yi Ding Lu was, initially at least, an extremely timid person, with no self-confidence to speak of. Severe generalised anxiety, according to his psychologist, was the source of most of his problems, both personally and professionally. The smallest of mistakes, whether a botched social interaction or error in his work as an editor for a local newspaper in his hometown, would lead him into a spiral of self-doubt and misery that could overcome him for days at a time. His life was a mess, and despite the work of multiple therapists over the years, there was no improvement in sight. Until one day, a discovery was made. The psychologist treating Yi Ding at the time had him using writing exercises as therapy, tapping into a medium that was both his work and his passion. Liu would keep detailed journals at his psychologist's behest, in which he would collect all the things that had caused him strife in a given day. These journals also served to fill in some missing sections of this story long after the fact. His psychologist hoped that by collating all of his daily disasters in a format that was both manageable and comprehensible, Yi Ding would be able to view them with the benefit of hindsight and understand that the mountains he had made in the moment were, in fact, mere molehills. Progress was slow, however, if it existed at all. Yi Ding had a rationalization, an excuse for every catastrophization and overreaction he made. In his mind, he could do nothing right, and the journals did little to disabuse him of this notion, and so a modification was made. In addition to writing down a summation of the day's disasters, of conversations gone wrong, he would also write a version of events that he would prefer to have happened, an edited version of reality to reflect his job at the time as an editor. By treating his life like something as surmountable as the thing he did every day for a living, Liu's therapist hoped that he would begin to see how solvable his problems truly were. He could even use the same red pencil he did at work for added verisimilitude. And this did have an effect, although it was certainly not the one Yi Ding's therapist expected. According to Yi Ding's diary, when he acted upon this advice by... Rewriting a conversation he had with his boss, a strange thing occurred. After writing down the version of events he would prefer to have happened, that instead of meekly agreeing with his manager's harsh critiques, he had stood up for himself, he found himself confused. He had written down the true version of events, rather than an idealized version. He had stood up for himself. Hadn't he? In the diary, he berates himself for not even being able to follow the instructions of his therapist correctly. But in subsequent entries, a realization slowly dawns on Yi Ding Lu. The day after the altercation with his manager, which Lu had rewritten, he was called into his manager's office. Expecting that the verbal lashing he had received the day prior would be repeated, Yi Ding entered the office already in the midst of a panic spiral. But instead of castigating him, his manager commended Yi Ding for standing up for himself, saying that he'd raised some good points and that some of the suggestions he'd made, that had, in reality, only been made in a diary, would be implemented. Yi Ding's terror was quickly replaced with confusion, and it was all he could do to simply nod along with what his manager said and shake hands at the end. The next period in Yi Ding Lu's life has proved somewhat difficult for researchers to follow. Lu spent some time attempting to determine what exactly had happened to him. This involved a great deal of trial and error, as he rewrote and re-rewrote reality, and only realized that he had done so some of the time. One can understand how this would be a challenge. Lu was not immune to the effects of whatever it was he was doing, And as a result, when he altered the past, if indeed that is what he was doing, he would remember the new history as the true one, the same as everyone else. Despite this difficulty, eventually a timeline of events has emerged. By cross-referencing Liu's writings with the events of recorded history and finding the points at which the two match, it has been concluded that a sizable amount of recent history may have, in fact, been written by Lu. Through a process of trial and error, Yi Ding Lu determined that he could not, in fact, alter the events of the past, but he could do the next best thing. By writing down what he would like to have had happen, he was able to alter the memories of everyone involved, thus making his version of events the one they believed to be true. All of his alterations that researchers can identify were made with what appears to be the same red editor's pencil, although we are unable to determine if this was because the ability was tied to the pencil, or if this was just out of force of habit. Certainly, when others have subsequently attempted to use what remains of the pencil Lu used, no powers like the one he possessed were granted. What we can say for certain is that Ding Lu used this power to grant himself ...increasing amounts of power. First, he made his manager believe that he had been given a promotion, thus meaning that he effectively had been. From there, he obtained a role at a higher-profile company, and so on. He gained ever greater power in perhaps the most passive manner imaginable... ...by making others believe that he already had it. Eventually, he went into business for himself, using the capital he had already acquired over the years and a loan which he retconned a bank into having granted him, to create a publishing house, all of his own. From there, he began to grow an empire, spreading into all forms of media. From its beginnings as a publishing house, Lou's influence was soon felt in radio, then film, then television. His company was even able to handle the emergence of the internet better than most, taking advantage of this new information age in ways no other seemed to manage, of course, this may just be what we think happened. The fact of the matter is that we will never know if the writings recovered after Ding Lu's death encompass all of his alterations to society's memory, nor what those alterations were. Certainly, some of his wins can only have been possible with the power of hindsight, which is what the pencil really offered. But the strangest thing in all of this except for the part about the man having a magic pencil that can alter people's memories en masse, is that it may not have been necessary at all. Some of the wins that Lou accrued throughout his long career were only possible with the alternatural power he had attained, certainly. But even with that taken into account, it cannot be denied that the man was a fantastic businessman. Whether or not you respect what he did, whether or not you think that business tycoons are a thing that should exist, he was one of the greatest. The fact of the matter is that when one looks at the career of Yi Ding Lu in its entirety, one cannot deny that he was good at what he did. Some argue that he might have been able to have a similar degree of success without the pencil, if he'd just had some courage. Even with his alternatural gift, the real greatest asset he had His savvy his eye for business perhaps the greatest boon the pencil granted him wasn't the ability to rewrite memories but to believe in himself enough to take some chances to do what he was truly capable of to seize the opportunity or perhaps somewhere out there there's a piece of paper with all that written on it in red pencil that's made me believe all of that I don't suppose we'll ever know.
0: I haven't been here since just after the lockdown ended. Clockwork Mother took me here to show what had happened to the security department. I had to see for myself. Of course, I wish I hadn't.
1: It's all cleaned up now. Jelta looks good as new.
0: You'll understand I don't want to see for myself. All set here, then?
2: Yes, the glassway is back in place. The head of retrieval is preparing to go through. Ooh, spooky.
0: (laughs) Oh, what's with the cards? It's just, um, keeping my hands occupied. Right. Uh, you know those aren't normal cards, right? Yes, I know. Okay, then. Now you're sure about this?
1: Yep. Yep. That time I got off my ass, I reckon.
0: Oh, and yet you were so happy to let me do all the work just a little while
1: ago. For the last time, that was different.
0: Okay, okay. All I'm saying is that we had some idea of what was going to be in the shelter when I went back, whereas you're completely blind.
2: Well, actually, I've already taken a drawing through to take a look at things on the other side of the glassway, so we're not totally blind.
0: And what did you see?
2: Well... The drone's wheels got stuck in the sand so we didn't get far, but there's no sign of anyone there that I can see. Great. I'm sure
0: that the head of retrieval has been in, uh, hairier scrapes. In the past, I mean.
1: Yep, your pep talks are still second to none. Thanks.
2: Sir, are you sure you don't want to take any retrieval agents with you? Just in case, I mean.
1: Won't go far from the glassway. It's just a quick in and out. Get an idea of what we're looking at. Just you and me will do fine, guide. Right. Um, yeah. Sounds good.
0: You will actually stick to that, right? Just head through the glassway, see what's what, and then head back.
1: Don't worry. Just a straightforward reconnaissance op. I'll take a look and be back before you know it.
0: Well, if the mirror's all set, it seems like I've done what I'm being paid for.
1: Yes,
2: thank you so much. It's been great working with you.
0: No worries. I think I'll get out of the way before whatever happens, happens, you know?
2: (laughs) You've got my number.
0: Yes, thank you for your assistance, Amina. It's, um, it's been a big help.
1: Yep, good call. Things could get messy around here.
0: You just said this was only a reconnaissance mission.
1: I also said it could get messy. I'm not looking to start anything, but it has a way of happening anyway these days.
0: Kind of feels like we're poking the sleeping bear, or... Whatever, though. It's been quiet, relatively. Nothing's happened with the glassway or the security department since Astrid and the rest escaped. Maybe this is the last chance that we have to let sleeping dogs lie.
1: Sorry, are they bears or dogs? I'm confused.
0: Stop that. I'm serious. Are we sure that finding answers is worth the risk that we'll find something else?
1: Doesn't sound like you. You normally love finding answers and stuff.
0: You are thinking of the head of research. Answers at any cost is her game. I just... I miss working at a museum.
1: Yeah.
2: Alright, that's fair. Yes, um, I'm sorry that I called Amina and set all this up without consulting you. I I didn't think... We already
0: said it's fine, guide, really. I'm just nervous. It'll pass. You all set?
1: Yep, guide. You good? Uh, yes, if you're really sure.
0: Yes, it's fine. Go on, then. I'll just be here. We'll shut the door to the shelter once you're in, for safety.
1: Good call. Let's go. Okay. You excited, guide?
2: Sure. Nervous? No. The head of retrieval, clad in his protective gear and holding a rifle with practised ease, made his way through the silent security shelter... Toward the newly reinstalled glassway.
1: Yeah, you're nervous. Shut up. You shut up. Let me do the narration. If something happens, you'll still be around to tell your version. This is my only chance. Sure, sorry. Right. Approaching the glassway. Everything seems normal, relatively speaking. On the ramp now. Here we go. About bloody time. And we're through. Guide, you all good? Yes, sir. Let our people at the museum know we're okay. Let's take a look around. Right. Okay, it's a beach. That was true. It's night time. Some big empty shells here and there. Not seeing any bodies. No idea if that means anything. The water... Guide, the idea was that it was all dead here, right? Nothing alive on land or in the sea?
2: That's what Astrid told us, yes.
1: Well, the beach is dry, but the water... It's all foamy on the surface. Is that... I mean, I don't know anything about, like, aquatic life at all. What does that mean? I mean, we'd need to take
2: samples. Foam on the surface of water could indicate a number of things. It could be a life form. But it could also just be a waste product or the decomposing remains of something. Of course, decomposition could imply that some life forms do exist that are breaking something down. Uh, again, we'd need to take samples. I mean, this is a whole other world. We know by now that they don't necessarily play by our rules.
1: Uh, sir, is everything okay? It's not. Sir? It's not another world. Look up. I don't really...
2: What do you mean, sir? What am the I-
1: stars. Look at the stars.
2: Could you explain, sir? I- is-, is there something wrong with them? No,
1: there isn't. They look just like they normally do.
2: Okay, so what's- Oh. Wait, do you mean- Do you mean you recognise them? The
1: constellations. They're all- They're all here. But, sir-
2: That would mean we're on Earth. That's not possible.
1: Guide, I'm looking at the Southern Cross. We're not just on Earth, we're in the bloody Southern Hemisphere. But
2: we should have picked up the drone's transponder as soon as it came through. We can't be on Earth. We can't be- Guide, I'm looking at it. There's something coming out of the water. I can see that.
1: Quiet down. It's... Astrid?
2: Hello? It's... Been a while, hasn't it? If you enjoy the Mist Home Museum of Mystery Morbidity and Mortality, please consider supporting the show via Patreon at patreon.com slash Dom Gilfoyle. You'll be helping to make sure the show keeps going, not just by supporting me, but also by giving money to go towards equipment, software, and hiring actors. Patrons of all tiers get access to an ad-free feed and access to new episodes a week ahead of the main feed. And you'll also get access to some bonus content. Everyone who subscribes at $10 or higher will get to have their name read out at the end of the next episode that gets released. This episode's wonderful supporter is Raka Roche. Sorry for the pronunciation there. And uh, extra special shout-out, as always, to curator-level patrons Sarah Worf, Bookworm, and Crow. Thanks for listening, and as always, stay safe out there. The Mistome Museum of Mystery, Morbidity and Mortality is written, produced and performed by Dom Gilfoyle, with the help of That's Not Canon Productions. This series was produced on Aboriginal land and we recognise the strength, resilience and enduring legacy of the Yagara and Turrbal people of this land. If you'd like more Mistome, Please subscribe and like the Facebook page, where more content is occasionally posted, and where you can get in touch with us. The following is an advertisement that helps support the show's continued existence. If you'd like to support it more directly, visit that'snotcanon.com for more information.